UK Motor Talk. Banger. Because oh, actually, you borrowed the He's banger. He's going to upset me again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's brilliant. It is, there is no greater load lugging car, and you borrowed it for the week right, when you so moved. I, I did fall in love with it slightly. Yes, me too. One of the things well you will find with Volvo is that um, if you really, really load it up, the two back doors stretch slightly because neither of mine fit perfectly anymore. What? This is ridiculous. Well, because the, the light bars that I put crossways in the car are very, very slightly longer than the available space. So you have to gently close the doors, and they close, but they've given slightly on the hinges. Well, Not by much, a few millimetres, but that was enough. Bearing in mind that the doors are made of basically equivalent metal they used to make, well, used to make chieftains and that kind of thing, they, they, it's just a ridiculously sturdy vehicle, that. Oh, it's incredibly solid. Yeah. Just don't try and stick a GB plate on the back, a magnetic one. <laughs> Just the ta- off. Well, the tailgate's plastic. Is it? Yeah, it on mine anyway. So. Um, the only thing I noticed about the tailgate is they've hidden the gas struts inside, which I think is pretty cool. But, I mean, th- this is a car that's cost £250 to buy. Yeah. It's got everything. It's got its heated leather seats, which work, cruise control, air con... Brilliant. Yes, which works. It's got a, a sunroof. It's got little puddle lights that come on everywhere. It's, it's incredible, this thing. Quite literally, you can stuff half the contents of a house into it. I mean, I've got... Uh, what well, did I, I did. It was very handy when I was moving for the last little bits after I'd had to take the van back. It, 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 it I mean, Brad is the name of this Volvo. B-R-D on the reg. Absolutely superb. But I've got uh, a display unit, two bookcases, um, a CD rack a pair of curtains, of course, because they take up a lot of space, a dining room table and four chairs. Cuddly toy? Yeah. <laughs> and a yep, cuddly toy sort of wedged <laughs> in the corner. Uh, yeah, I've got um, Rick Vince, Vince from Rex the Runt, if you ever remember that. Absolutely brilliant. He hangs on the headrest and terrifies other, other motorists. And a little dinosaur that moves about in, in the sun, which is fantastic. Yeah, you can put an amazing amount of space. Uh, somebody, you know, we do theatre shows, my wife does theatre shows, and... Um, yeah, I'm the sort of roadie come uh, sort of manager come general factotum but anyway we put everything in the Volvo and as long as there's nobody else but me in the Volvo it'll take an entire show so I've got a four speaker PA, four chairs a dozen lights and all the ancillary kit all piled into the Volvo and, and I never have to put anything on the roof unless we take the stage in which case it then takes two uh, stages, two stages, Two eight-by-four stages. I can imagine it probably does, yeah. yeah I mean, it's just incredible. They, they, they are absolutely huge. There is no better big car for putting things in. I mean, it's got um, little load nets that come out the back of the seats to stop you from being hit in the back of the head with stuff when it flies forward, as it does when you put in three tonne bags worth of... Um, clippings and stuff to take to tip. I will point out at this point that this is for private use and, and not for business, of course. No, of course. Um, but, I mean, this, it, this, the car is it's just absolutely superb. We, uh, we have broken that. Break it, quite literally so, breaking sorry, just, news. Uh, just to interject here, we've just taken the, um, the strut and the spring off the track car and that's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's broken. That's broken in many pieces. 
Right, so I think we should provide some context as to where we are today. So, we've had attention. So this is one of these rare occasions where actually there's more than just two of us in a room sitting and talking to you, which is something that we do a lot, even if you're not there, um, frankly. We still, we still do exactly this. Some of us talk to ourselves. So, some of us talk to ourselves. And actually, we have me, I'm Mike, we have Jim. Hello over there in the distance and we have Graham with us as well. Hello. So we are today in the workshop. We've got our track car, the Fist, as we know it, on the ramp and it is a wonky donkey. Um, basically, Jim broke it. Uh, on the break. You were there as well. You, you, you broke it. This is... Right, so we, we took it out of hibernation where it had been since its last, uh, its last uh, outing at Brands Hatch. And it's due for an MOT, and, and obviously these things are important because then you want to drive to some of the circuits. Um, so Jim took it out and took, gave it a gentle brake test and put the spring through the top end of the suspension strut. I mean, how the hell do you do that? It, it did dive to the left ever so slightly. I did, I did feel a slight tug through it, so it, it let off probably such a, explains it. It let off such a big bang as I reversed it to get it into, uh, into the workshop that actually I thought I'd hit two cars. Um, ah, see, so it didn't make a bang when I was driving it, so actually, I think you broke it. Ah, here we go. So, unusually, rather than sitting in the room, we are here and we're working because we are hard-working people and this is what we do, and we are stripping down the car. So, in the background of today's podcast, you are going to hear presumably a lot of swearing, maybe some hammering noises, some ratchets, a small cow, I don't know, lots of things. And in the background, we have, uh, we have Hodges, who's just wandering through. Uh, any thoughts on this, on this Hodges? It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. There we have it. So absolutely brilliant. Um, so yes, yeah, so we, we are. We're, we're working away. And, and as always, we are talking about lots of things, a lot of nonsense, um, including uh, our shared love for Volvos. Because I'm building on my house at the moment. And what you need if you're doing that is you need a van. And what's better than a van? A Volvo, because much it is better. much better. It's really comfortable. It could possibly go through a wall and then collect the wall up, put it in the back and take it to the tip for you. Um, and Jim has just moved, and which is why we've been so busy doing things. And Jim's borrowed it for a week as well. And we moved Jim practically in the Volvo and a van, a transit van, because, you know, it's a transit van. We have done lots of things in this car. and I have a huge amount of love for this thing. It's cost me a tiny amount of money, really. At the moment, I should imagine if I kept it a long time, it cost me a lot of money. Didn't you price it up because it was cheap? It was half the price of a skip, yes. and you still had a car at the end of it. Yes. It, quite literally, it was going to cost me 500 quid for a big enough skip, and I would probably need a couple of them, and I needed a van, which was about 70 quid a day for the right size van. So 250 quid, you kind of quids in. This is good stuff. Oh, something just snapped. No, it's just, just, that's just bits falling out of the suspension. Just the bearing. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Let's, let's not worry. <laughs> I just heard a ping noise there in the background. I don't think I was going back. Uh, no, have we got another one of those? Uh, yes, I'd, I'd ordered one in, and I hope that that is the one. And I said, this is the one for you, which is on the shelf. If it's not, I'd like to point out here that we have a massive problem um, because we've stripped a car down and it's now immobile. But I fell in love with the car. In, in the space of a tiny amount of time. I've lent it to some friends who've also fallen in love with the car. I mean, we know that John's got a love for Volvos that borders on the perverted. Yeah, we're going to send him this, uh, send <laughs> a copy of this, yes. Um, but, Graham, you love them as well, don't you? I do. I, do. Uh, I mean, I'm on my third one now, and I've had this one quite a long time, but uh, I think my first experience, I, I bought one, I'd had it a couple of days, and my good lady and I decided that we needed to go and see a show after work. And we lived in Worthing, and the show was in Birmingham. Um, so we simply took a lot. 
we just simply went up the... Well, this, this was the only time this show was going to be shown in the UK. Um, and it came very highly regarded. Um, but anyway, we drove to Birmingham and I put, on the way back I put the cruise control on and I think I hardly turned it off at all. You know, it was just the car was so effortless and comfortable. And I mean, they are superb. It's, I've got a straight five in mine. It purrs along. It's relatively effortless, as you say. It's like driving a big armchair. Um, it does have the most alarming clonk coming from the front suspension. But um, to be honest, oh, I, have one. I think there's yeah, a yes. theme here with, with you and Carl's in front. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We've got to get some aggro. But yes, it's. Um, it is a superb piece of kit, and, and for, despite the fact we bought it just to do a job, we're kind of in love with it, which will lead me to quandary, which was, do I sell it, or do I keep it, get a trailer and use it to tow a race car? <laughs> Much more sensible. Yeah. Much more sensible, yeah. As far as race car support vehicles go, I think the Volvo is the perfect choice, really, because it's got the tarpaulin, so if you ever need to transport half a dozen dead bodies, it can do that, all wrapped up. Yes, right, I need to explain about this. So, the back of the car, um, there is a little foldy-up bit so you can put your paint cans in so it doesn't leak into your boot, which is brilliant. And inside there, there is some bungee cords for holding stuff down and some rope, a, tarpaul a tarpaulin that goes into the back and up the sides so that, you know, if you are going out murdering or something, that it doesn't get the inside of the car too dirty. <laughs> this is the Sweeney Todd version, yeah. isn't it? And a paving slab, which is my emergency <laughs> brake. Not because I'd throw it out, but because the handbrake travel, well, there's, you have to have some reserve travel, and that's the little bit between the, up, the upper atmosphere and the moon, I think, that it has as the reserve travel, because, frankly, you can lift it up to near enough your ear. Um, and then it will generally stop it from rolling down a hill. It was a nice thing to drive around, despite its quarter of a million miles and, and looking a bit tatty. Yes, that's it was still, the point. still very presentable, and you didn't feel embarrassed driving at it. No. So I, I think we decided it was just the perfect car for when you need to be middle class at, at lunchtime and then, and then do some murdering <laughs> at 8 o'clock. Yes. Whatever you needed to do, any time in between, it would do it. And this is the key thing. The, it has done 257,257 miles as of today. Slightly more than mine. So, so, yeah, I mean, she's done some miles, you know, she's seen some things, some terrible, terrible things, probably, <laughs> by the, by the looks of it. Just to point out, though, listeners, although we pride ourselves on offering reasonably relevant motoring advice, etc., we are not <laughs> suggesting that you go out and buy a Volvo estate if you are in the business of murdering people, or that you should be in the business of murdering people at all. Just a, a disclaimer. Well, you, you may or may not choose to drive very high mileage Volvos, but some people do, and I do, 230,000. I highly recommend driving high mileage Volvo. And, and to be honest, in the, in the interest of balance, if you are going out murdering people, then <laughs> it, it is a good car for that. I mean, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't it's, deny it. It's turning into Scandi Noir, isn't it? Yeah, this is, this is getting... Appropriate. Yes. <laughs> yes. Appropriate. Darker than a Swedish winter. <laughs> that could be the tagline. Um, With follow your home lights. <laughs> <incriminating>. yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. I suppose you follow your home eyes. Um, Terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And of course, ultimately, the Volvo doesn't squash your face. No, indeed not. Indeed not. There's a backstory there, and we'll explain that at some point in the distant future. Uh, right, I need to go and get some bits. So whilst we're doing that, we're going to have a segue to something else. Exit stage left, pursued by Bear. Anyway, the bad boys, it's really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much easier if you can just walk into the stores and pick up what you need. <laughs> I've got to drive about 20 miles to pick up what I need and then I've got some idiot on the sales counter who doesn't know A from B. Mm, well, I'm hoping that's the right one. I really am hoping, because, uh, I mean, frankly, 
that is um, that is broken. The bearing is quite literally in two bits, and the bits of bearing have fallen it's out. It's quite well chewed in there, isn't it? Yeah, it's, we've done a, a proper job of ruining that, and I mean like really ruining it. That's yes. that bit. Yes. Horn. Horn. Yes. It doesn't really matter which way, does it? No. So just in case you're wondering what it is we're, we're muttering about here, so we've been doing bits and pieces to the car and we've uh, dismantled the front suspension, which is good. We've got the horn working. Um, we've just found out how the horn works. Um, it's because that's making that was earthing against the centre, so good. Uh, yeah, could you do me a favour actually, disconnect the battery if I'm going to go plug in the airbag back in. Oh yes, this is a good shout. Let's do that before yes. it explodes in my face. And so we are making things work so we can have an MOT. I mean, obviously we would normally run the, the appropriate uh, bits and pieces, but let's go on and just do, disconnect the battery first. We've disconnected the battery because we've got to reconnect a few bits and pieces in the car to make sure that it is... Uh, safe, road legal and otherwise MOTable because we need to make sure we have the correct MOT. So I'm in the process of connecting everything up as it should be for, for the road car, replacing the standard steering wheel because the full cage isn't in the car yet. The new MOT laws which were brought in, in in May, which I know we are all fascinated about. Uh, in fact, more details can be found of that on our blog. So worth having a skim through and uh, finding out where they are. Um, but if you've got a roll cage, the car effectively counts as a rally car. And you don't need to run airbags, but you also don't, you're not allowed to have the, the light uh, coming on. By the same token, if you don't have a full roll cage in there or at least a half roll cage in there you do need to be running the um, steering wheel airbag and steering wheel that it came with so what we're doing now is of course connect everything up so it is all correct proper and uh, and super right great smashing whatever it is for the MOT because of course we yeah, want it to be legal you, you, you don't find a conflict between the requirements of the MOT and the requirements of the organizers of the track day and whatever the um, uh, whatever they specify on the vehicle. And yeah. the, the two things ought not to be in conflict, but just occasionally they are. Horn test. That's it. Two-tone <laughs> two horn. Quite sure why it's a two-tone horn, but there we go. It never used to be a two-tone horn, yeah. but it now is. It is now. The last track day that we went to was quite sensible in terms of requirements. The car just had to be safe and, and up to a reasonable standard for the track, so you were allowed to run pretty much whatever you wanted, as long as it wasn't too noisy, um, was safe. You have to safe. The that it is all of those things. It's cool. safe and will not cause you harm or anybody else for that matter. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty sensible. I mean, we know we're quite safe in this car. It's got the relevant bars in the right places. It's got a, a seat with a proper harness, which is anchored the correct way using the right tensile bolts. And we're quite certain that uh, we're not going to be launched through the window attached to the seat, which is nice. But yeah, we've got, uh, we've got to make sure we come home at the end of the track day because uh, not coming home is suboptimal, I I've been told. <laughs> It's a very interesting way to put it. Yes, mm. we'll make a funeral director of you yet. Yes, that's it. Well, exactly. We've got the Volvo. We might as well, uh, might as well make a start. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we wanted to talk today about track days and them not necessarily being expensive. Obviously, we like our cars, like our fast cars. We also don't like driving like a tit on the road. Oh, well, as many people do. And it's, it's been my uh, contention for quite some time. Some of the lunatics that drive around in very, very noisy cars, uh, very noisy cheap cars, um, <laughs> could... Um, why, why did you look at me when you said no, no, noisy? No, oh, I've got a noisy car. Not at all. Uh, no, no, you're, you're at the older end of that uh, age spectrum. But, 
where a lot of... <laughs> oh, great. So I'm, I'm driving a cheap, noisy car, but I'm old. Is that what you're saying? Well, a lot of youngsters are out there driving um, ridiculously noisy cars. Right. Um, behaving like complete lunatics on the road. And for the sort of money they're spending to, to tart up the car, they could, they could be doing track days. They could be yes. both exercising themselves testing their own uh, abilities, learning something about how to actually drive quickly, which is something most of them don't seem to be able to do, and keeping out of the way of normal law-abiding citizens on the road who don't want to get their cars crashed. Elderly Volvo drivers. <laughs> yes, and, and perhaps some people who are, are too old to be young, uh, but too young to be old Volvo drivers. Yes. If, if, yeah, in their loud cars, honestly, I don't know. Just a whole world of insult today, but it's all good. Um, so, yes, you've done motorsport proper, and as you know, and as we know, it can be ruinously expensive. Yes. It, ruinously expensive, so much so that instead of yes, cereal... Keep, keep saying that. Yes, yes. It's ruinously. A good, it's a good mantra. Yes, that's it. I mean, instead of cereal bowls, you might have to eat, I don't know, your Fruit Loops out of your shoe. It's that kind of level of ruinously expensive. Um, I'm going to keep is saying that, is it. Is that why Daniel Ricciardo drinks his champagne out of his boot? I reckon that's what it is. He's just so poor. He's so poor. He's so poor that now he has no other option. The money at the Red Bull is lousy. Yeah, Yeah. we should ask Hodges what he thinks, I think, really. Uh, Any thoughts on this, Hodges? It's brilliant. He's probably gone by now. But brilliant would have been an appropriate I think brilliant would would be exactly what he would have said. I'm sure we can probably make that happen in in post-production. But, yeah, so we are working on this car. And and although we are are ruined in other ways, uh, largely due to the amount of time and, and effort and everything else we spend on everything else the fact that we have to be working here at what is frankly an ungodly hour to be working in a workshop um, although we've got the heating on it's quite nice when we were drag racing we used to do post midnight shifts oh yeah, here we go <laughs> you get out, get out in the road and build a trailer to put the dragster in and well, you, look, you pop riveting at one o'clock in the morning well, it's 11.38 now I mean, it's, it's just it's getting late. I mean, that's, that's probably as late as I think you're going to want to go. Um, but yeah, we, we, we'll have this done, especially with the, the horn tests and things. But actually, we've said before, you know, we have a little car here that effectively, after we've stripped it all down, done what we need to do to it, um, owes us mere pounds, really, doesn't it? I mean, the, the deal is that, as you may have heard or remember from before, that actually if we ruin the car instead of ourselves, then we basically hand each other 50 quid and walk away. And that sounds like a, a, a good deal to us. And actually, yes, you can go out there and you can have some fun. And of course, you've got to be sensible because you don't want to wipe out yourself or anyone else or a marshal or something like that. But actually, you know, you can push a car more to its limits. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's a good thing. And, and it, it, without it costing you a great deal of money, which is the same my contention that, you know, the amount of money that's spent on ridiculous... Tra- <laughs> Horn test. Pass. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Fail. Oh no, that's gone terribly the, the wrong. The amount of money that's spent on ridiculous uh, dress-up stuff and and um, uh, exhausts that are um, uh, the size of a Saturn V booster. Um, <laughs> right. Well, Just in case. I mean, what what, what <laughs> does frustrate me with with that kind of scene is actually enhancing, modifying, doing whatever you want to your own car is fine as long as there's a balance. What annoys me is when people will spend thousands of pounds on a stereo or a body kit or wheels, yet do nothing to the brakes or they'll uprate the power but fit the cheapest tyres because tyres are viewed as maintenance and boring. Yeah, 
Uh, I don't think you added these. They came with it. They they did come with it. But I mean, for the purpose. I, I, I mean, I'm sure uh, the German manufacturers of this particular motor car yes. probably spent months and months and months in an anechoic chamber. That's sort of the problem. Right. <laughs> walk away, walk away. <laughs> Good. That's yeah. What's also quite confusing is that. What, not attached? Yeah. For the purposes of this tape, I've just gone to go and get some bits. Is that the steering wheel is not connected? A certain uh, well-known UK manufacturer, one Marcos, who uh, loaned me a test car. Uh, which I then drove to Brands Hatch and back, which was a considerable distance from where I live. Um, and the steering was getting looser and looser and looser. And I said to the dealer when I handed it back, a bit concerned about the steering. Uh, I think you ought to check it out. And he phoned me the following day to say, oh, the steering wheel was just about to fall off. And the quality control inspector's just been sacked <laughs> because he hadn't checked it. And this was a car with time I'd finish with it at maybe two, three hundred miles on the clock and that was all. But um, a quite well priced sports car was good apart from that. <laughs> at least it didn't leak like the um, TVR, S was it 3C, S3C, which I drove in a tropical rainstorm and it proved to be a bucket because the water came in faster than it could get out through the holes in the floor. It was a fascinating vehicle. Good apart from the fact the steering wheel fell off. Apart from the fact the steering wheel fell off, yeah, uh, lots of ground. It was a bank too. Was it about, didn't, so you it didn't, didn't, didn't actually, actually yeah. do so. Yeah. No, another uh, couple of hundred miles probably have been sufficient, but there we are. Apart from the semi-certain death that comes with the steering wheel coming off, it was a fine motor vehicle. <laughs> I think that that's how the review. <laughs> oh God, it's happened again! Oh no, it's all right. I'm confused. What's happening? <laughs> I, I said much, much the same thing about the steering wheel. Do not understand. Mm. The other things we've done to prepare ourselves, um, as we normally do when we do any sort of track action, um, is we've added more stickers. Now, the keen-eyed amongst you will notice that we are now branded, as we should be, uh, with the UK Motor Talk logo. Now, this is the, the relatively new logo that uh, Andrew has designed very carefully, and, of course, we appreciate all your, your kind comments and feedback um, that we've received as a result of, of changing our logo. Um, and, yes, we, we do think it looks mighty fine. Uh, and I mean mighty fine like my ass in these jeans, mighty fine. I mean, that is properly fine. Wow. Um, so... <laughs> Horn test for the pass. And the horn doesn't come on when I turn the ignition off, which is Good. correct to spec. What is going on with this though? Uh, right, so we are at the pre in the process at the moment of rewiring what be would be the airbag wiring, because this being a really high-spec vehicle, came with airbags everywhere, which is great if you're in a road car, not so good if you're in a race car in a harness. So I'm in the process of just seeing whether or not we can rewire the car in the correct way so that there is no uh, further problem with the airbags and, of course, um, no chance of anything going off. I mean, they're all removed, so they've, they've all gone effectively, but we need to make sure that the light comes on and goes off as it should do um, because we want to do this properly. Yes, yeah, so I'm just doing a little bit of a test at the moment just to see if this is correct. I mean, I need to 
cut some bits and pieces down and tidy everything up and make it look really pretty. Um, and we're going to see if, uh, if we can make this all work. So, um, in a few minutes, in fact, it won't even be a few minutes because, frankly, through the, the wonders of technology and the fact that Andrew can actually edit what it is we're saying, thank God and lucky you, um, we will have this uh, licked in mere seconds. Yes! Is that it? Yes, the airbag light has gone out. So, through the miracles of editing, we have fixed the car. No, it's back on again. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, those are the indicators, Michael. Oh, oh right. No, it oh, yes, it is. It, it, <laughs> the, the indicators. I thought we had that fixed. Um, okay, there is more than one way to skin a monkey, or whatever the saying is. So let's let's do that. Right, what are you doing now? Are you coiling these differently? I was. I, I think the pins are too long. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm reducing the pins in the wiring so that it fits better into the connectors where it's supposed to go. I mean, really, I suppose you could cut them off and solder it in, which would be a lot neater. I might do that. Once you know it works. Once I know it works. I need to prove the theory, concept. Um, electric cars, we've talked about this before. We talk about this a lot, actually, because electric cars are important now, and I like Tamiya cars as much as any other. But uh, some people like the real-sized thing, um, and Formula E. Uh, yes, I mean, I think it's now all the manufacturers are, are ploughing in, and they all are, with Mercedes set to join next year. Um, but everybody else is in there, and already we're on Gen 2, Generation 2, and they won't have to swap cars anymore. And the only reason they had to swap cars was not because it looked spectacular, because it never did, um, was because the batteries would only last half a 45-minute race. Now they've got 45-minute batteries. And they're a lot faster as well. Ah, they haven't actually got 45 minute batteries. It's because it, the races are now, I think, over a time plus one lap, hmm. which is longer by one lap than the race distance last year. So actually, that last lap is going to be, well, the whole race, obviously, there's, there's energy management and conservation going on as it is. As it is yeah. But even more so, next year that that last lap could be critical but you mm. could actually have a i'm almost going to stop on the last lap to ensure i go over the time so i don't have to do two laps because of course if you go over the the start finish line a second after the clock ends you have to do two more laps as yeah. opposed to one more but it's, it's all about the improvements in the battery and the improvements in the recovery systems and it's a learning curve and that's why the manufacturers are, are all uh, jumping in there and um why, uh, and it's going to attract, I think, an increasing number of XF1 drivers. Felipe Massa, of course, has just uh, signed up, and he's just signed a three-year contract, which, given how many seasons he spent in F1, uh, and I don't think he ever had more than a one-year contract in F1. Even with Ferrari, he never had more than a one-year contract. I think it's got a future... I think it's incredibly good PR for the companies that are doing it. I think electric cars have got a future, I really do. Do I find it that exciting? No, if I'm completely honest. I like the sound of an engine with them, um, you know, especially if it's on a cheap car with a loud exhaust. So do I, which is why I spent years competing in very, very noisy motor cars. But, uh, you know, it is the future. Uh, and I think you've got to embrace it to some degree. And uh, I'm going to try and do so and try and get interested this season. And uh, it's the fifth season, so let's see where they go. They say now they're nearly as fast as F1 cars. But I, I, I think the whole concept of street circuits is really what's going to make it happen. 
Mm. You know, the fact that you can get public transport to the to the street circuit and uh, sit in temporary grandstands and watch it go around everywhere except London, you know, because they're going to start off in Riyadh and then it's Marrakesh and so on. But the fact that they're doing the last two rounds in New York in the middle of the city, I, I think it's brilliant. I, I think I've got a new idea for sport around the centre of London. What we could do is we could see how fast cab drivers with no fare on can get round London. <laughs> because I think that's a, a different contest entirely. Um, and it's actually, uh, well, it's, it's incredible, isn't it, really? It, with, the, with a fare, they'll always go slower. It, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm sure they do it. And if you're a taxi driver, I'm sure you will write in and tell us. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to receiving your complaints. Uh, but I'm sure it's just for the smoothness and comfort of your passengers. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a definite uh, keenness to get to places, I suppose, where there's no fare on. Or maybe it's just because there's only one person in the car. It goes at least twice as fast as it did when there was only one in there. Uh, weight reduction, that's it. Because we, we have got not weight gains, but weight reduction. And that gives us performance gains. That's it. In fact, you are adding lightness and simplifying yes, by removing your passengers. You're quoting Colin Chapman now, aren't Colin you? Chapman, yes. Colin Chapman, the Lotus designer. Yep. Add lightness. So, simplifying and added lightness, which is exactly what we've done with our car here, because we've taken pretty much everything out that's not essential, and that's a complete lie, actually, because we left in the aircon, because actually it's much nicer to drive on track with aircon in, and the stereo, because actually it's nice to have your banging tunes. I mean, I, I personally like to listen to uh, Ride of the Valkyries as I'm going around. Um, oh, no! Oh, just in case you're wondering, what we were doing was putting the key in to see whether the wiring function had worked and whether the airbag warning light was off. And the answer to all those questions is, of course, no. So if you want to watch the formulary, you can do so by visiting UK Motor Talk uh, and clicking on our blog and having a bit of a scroll through. And probably about halfway down on the left, that's uh, where you can start watching it. Alternatively, I've just tricked you into going to our blog and Graham will actually tell you where it's going to be. If you do want to see it and haven't invested in an enormously expensive sports channel, you can not watch it free to air because nobody's covering it, but you can watch it on the BBC's website, on the BBC Red Button, all of which is live. Um, but for more details, we will be trying to follow Formula E a little more closely this season. So UKMT, UK Motor Talk website, we will have details of the race times and when you and what you can see. And on the plus side, you know, if you need to at the same time do some hoovering or your beloved is or something, or maybe some other kind of activity, drilling into a wall, something like that, then actually it doesn't really matter because uh, you're not missing anything by not hearing it because all the excitement is by watching them uh, run out of battery uh, when they're halfway round um, or indeed adjusting the length of their race so they don't. How, how come it's the youngsters in this conversation that are anti-technology and us old gentlemen uh, are very much in favour of um, the way forward. I, mean, I just don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm quite happy with technology, I'm, I'm into it. I like the fact that the car has Google Earth and Google Street View and all that kind of stuff on the dash. That's, that's pretty funky, that's good. I like the fact that um, Jim's one can be remote started and controlled off your phone and it can get warm and all the rest of it whilst you're indoors. But what I don't like is airbag warning lights. Uh, no, what I do <laughs> when they won't go off. When they won't go off no. when you want them to. It's, it's worse if the airbag doesn't go off. When uh, yes, need, when you need it to. Admittedly, they are a necessary function. Um, they're a necessary function in a car, but not a race car. And there's quite a lot of them in a Volvo. Going back to our <laughs> earlier subject. Yes, there is, and the Volvo is made of iron girders and bits and pieces. Because, and as much as I like it, um, 
I did have a problem where the alternator decided it was going to, to die on my uh, old headmaster's driveway whilst I was dropping some stuff off to his daughter. Um, that's always slightly embarrassing. Um, and yes, they couldn't pick it up with the recovery truck because it weighs 2.1 tonnes. <laughs> so, you know, if you... You're too young to remember Tom Walkinshaw racing entering the uh, Volvo in the uh, Touring Car Championship. No, I remember you're, this. You're quite wrong. It was, a, well, it was an 850. Though, it was an 850. It? And it, yep. was the, it was the Volvo 850 estate that made me fall in love with motor racing in the first place. My dad, at the time, had a Volvo 760 estate. But this, this car that looked almost exactly like my dad's car came thundering over the top of Paddock Hill Bend sideways at 120, 130 miles an hour and, and I just instantly fell in love with motorsport because, oh, that's my dad's car and it was that, that road relevance, that link, it moved it from a something unobtainable, something beyond what normal people did to, oh, that, that's relevant to me. The reason for using the estate car was it was aerodynamically more efficient than the saloon. Let's face it, there's nothing aerodynamically efficient about a Volvo, is there, really? No. Um, I did find out something interesting, though, the other day, uh, and I, I do genuinely find this interesting, and that is that the front of the V70, you'll really be interested in this, the front end of the car is designed for an elk rollover. So if you hit it head-on, it would go over the bonnet, over the roof and off the back, yep. but the entire front of the car is, is designed so that it can be relatively undamaged and the occupants inside can be relatively safe. I saw uh, a set of images of uh, a tractor, big, big four-wheel drive tractor that had fallen off a transporter onto a family Volvo, mm. and they all got out and walked away. I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. I mean, frankly, if, if, if the sun collapsed tomorrow and the, the planet folded in itself, there'd still be a Volvo in the middle. Yes, they made the recycled cockroaches, I believe. That sounded painfully broken. Um, yeah, that's all right. My first experience of the 850, uh, Jim, was, um, was uh, at Silverstone when uh, John Cleland, who you probably know was a Volvo dealer, even, even though he was a touring car driver for Vauxhall at the time, um, and I went out with him um, in the passenger seat around Silverstone, around the Grand Prix circuit, which is quite interesting. I'd spent all day learning the Grand Prix circuit and getting my points just right, and suddenly I'm in a left-hand drive car, and I'm missing every apex by at least six feet. But it was great fun, and he's, he was such a nice guy. And so there's some quite useful tips and about An absolute driving. legend, actually. There's that... Um, a great character. It, it, it was Steve Soper, wasn't it, and Cleland? The, that epic battle with the, I'm going for first. Oh, that was, that was touring cars when they were really yes. touring cars. Yes, but that is absolutely superb. And you think the... What we have for the Super Tours of the Mondeos of the same era. We had the Vectras, as we've already mentioned. Um, and it's, it's the first time, actually. Uh, and Cavaliers, I, I, I thought, yeah, they, they look cool with a Vauxhall. Um, you know, they, they do look Vauxhall pretty functional. Cool. I thought it looked pretty cool. I saw advertised recently. It was a Cavalier 4x4 Turbo. Mm. And it's the only one I've ever seen, apart from one I drove years ago at Silverstone, which is incredibly quick. Mm. I drove it on the same day as uh, Escort Cosworth hmm. and was surprised that it was as quick as, but they just didn't build many and they didn't sell many and it soon disappeared. I'm, I'm in no way surprised by that. Um, but actually they have a strong following now, almost a, a cult following to be honest with you. I've never even seen another one. I mean, we, 
we actually restored an Escort Cosworth over the last few months, didn't we? We, we dropped it back up to the to the owner who, who tucked it away and when we got it up there, but that's a, quite a drive. And you, actually, um, I got the, the joy of, of driving uh, the new Ford KA, uh, whilst you got the, uh, the painful experience of driving the, uh, the Escort Cosworth up there, didn't you? Well, it's, it's an odd one. They say never meet your heroes, because that was one of the cars growing up that, you know, I watched on rally stages and, and things like that. And it was always a, uh, you know, a bit of a, a grey old car or a, a hero car for me. And it was, to be honest, every bit as good as I thought it would be. I mean, not, not massively powerful by today's standards. I think, what is it supposed to be? Two, 220. 220, 230 brake horsepower, mm. which is not a lot. The, the car I drive every day has more than that. Um, so it wasn't the, the power, it was just the feeling and the, the poise and the, the fact that you knew the car could do so, so, so much more. Um, much so, certainly more than you'd ever... Car. Yeah. It was so twitchy to drive. I mean, I've, I've driven one on the road, I've driven one on track and you immediately knew you were driving a rally car because it was a it was a point and squirt and twitchy car which was never really settled as a road car See now, I'm, I'm not so sure on the escort because he's being twitchy i think the the cosworth and the uh, oh hello i'm not so sure on the escort Cosworth being twitchy to be honest with you i think the four-wheel drive in the s cars and in the later saf cars is, means they feel very planted something like a, a whale tail Sierra or an RS500, that sort of similar type of car on the other hand, they are a bit of an animal and they can be a real handful oh, when you're on boost. Yeah, massive, massive lag, turbo cuts in and away you go and you're sideways and you're squirming with it. And, and I think you can see that from the super tours um, of the era. And it's, it's <laughs> in the sort of power those things had for a family car was almost indecent for its time, I think, and part of the reason why they got banned. That and the fact, of course, BMW got upset about it. But by modern standards, as Jim quite rightly alludes to, by modern standards, you know, a 200, 250 brake horsepower car is is relatively tame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you um, know, that was that was that was the real thing then. Yeah. I mean, so, oh. I mean, I think the thing is, yes, you've got well, the the, the BMW 270 brake horsepower, the uh, the S3's 310 brake horsepower, the Fiesta ST we're working on here is is considered to be very low powered at 150 brake horsepower, but it doesn't weigh anything. Uh, it had 150 horsepower when it was new. I think a lot of them are currently escaping out of the head gasket. I think a lot of them have, yes, have gone sideways out of the side of the engine. Um, and the rest of them are, are, are undoubtedly going to disappear out the back of the exhaust at some point. They, the horses have galloped from the stable, but relatively a lot. Right, I'm going to go on and do some more things and we're going to segue. Day. Well, even the power of editing can't fix our poorly race cars, and Early. despite our best efforts, unfortunately, if you don't have the right bits, there's not much you can do about it. You know, it happens. Sometimes you have the wrong part come through, and it's just not this, in this case, not the right bit. Because we want to do everything properly, and because we do everything properly, we are quite literally just going to put it back together to a state where we can take it off the ramp very slowly, and then we'll put the right bit in tomorrow, and it's all on the road again, no issue. So right now, we are just going to reconnect the shock, drop it in the car. You spin that one on as well. Uh, yes. And we'll be able to just we drive right off the ramp, which means that in the morning, someone else can use the ramp and we don't have to worry about it. Until lunchtime, when I will worry about it. 
Just to recap very quickly, we've now got the suspension leg back in. That took us a mere matter of seconds, as I'm sure you will note from the time on your podcast. Um, we have just about, we've got it ready just about to put the wheel on. And we're going to take her outside and that's done. And by the time it's done, it'll nearly be time for Christmas, Segway. Right, so we're moving on to Christmas now. So, Christmas gift. Is anyone expecting anything automotive related? My daughter's probably bought me several more car books to add my... Ridiculously large library. And have you written a book for Christmas this year? Uh, no, no, I haven't done that for a few years. But. No, okay, we'll just have to let's see if we can find the back catalogue on Amazon. <laughs> uh, Graham Bench, look him up. It is there. It is there. Fortunately, they're all out of print. But there are still second hand copies from which I benefit nothing. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jim? Anything coming, do you think? Uh, not quite sure, really. Well, I've got a, uh, a young daughter, so Christmas is all, uh, all about her, really. We do a, a secret Santa within the family, and it's kind of a don't worry about anyone too grown up, just um, just spoil young Jenny, and that's, um, that's what everyone seems you know, to do. And that's what we do with, um, with my wife's family as well. We do a secret Santa, and that seems to work quite well, and then we just buy for the kids, really. But I have asked this year for a new set of stainless steel spot lamps for my Mini, just because they're, uh, they've started to, to sort of show their age a bit now. I think that's probably about it. I've got to that sort of age where people will start buying me things like, you know, mud flaps and all that kind of jazz. Um, but I'm, a, I'm of an age where, actually, if somebody buys me socks and aftershave, I'd be over the moon with that. Would more, you? More than happy. That just goes to show you're older than me, doesn't it? Well, it does. <laughs> so, we are, at the moment, trying to rebuild everything and we're trying to get everything wound down in time for Christmas, which means that, actually, I'm afraid you're probably not going to hear from us till the new year, and I know that makes you really sad, but worry not, because we will be back in full force with a fully functioning car, in fact, several fully functioning cars, ready for more adventures next year. And you can enjoy us just after Christmas when I start talking about baby seats, because that's the next thing on the horizon for me. The good news is I'm sure they do one that fits into a race car. That, that was the one Lewis Hamilton started off in, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> Quite probably. So all that remains from us now here, um, inside our workshop covered in dirt and dust, uh, is to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and to say thank you so much for listening to us this year. We've done lots of really exciting things and we've made a lot of noise. Um, but do you know what? We've really enjoyed ourselves and you hope you've enjoyed <laughs> coming along for the ride. This is cute. Wazzock. Wazzock. I haven't heard that word for ages. That's a great word. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production. It's brilliant.